0: To the Gym Podcast, uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome, everyone, to the Jim Podcast, 2022 season. I am your host, Jimbo, and with me today, as always, is the one, the only, Mister Randy. Darsh. Randy Dash. I'm
1: ready. I've been, I've been looking forward to this for so long. We've been talking about trying to do some off-season episodes. <laughs> we have. <laughs> unfortunately, didn't come to. We've been very busy this off-season. Yes, we so have. As yes, just have. Is what it is. It's, it's been a pretty hectic off-season in
0: general. And believe me, we are going to talk about college football and the crazy things that happen. But I, I think first, Randy, we got to give the people a, a quick update on our own off-season. As you mentioned, I mean, some big things happened with you, as we know.
1: Yeah, I am now a Georgia Tech fan, as everybody knows, because I'm doing their uh, their web development boot camp. Hook'em Hornets, oh Hook'em Hornets, right? Buzz, buzz, buzz,
0: buzz. So, what do what do they say in Georgia Tech? Is it buzz,
1: buzz? What what's they their... say? They say what is the good word? And the nature that they say to hell with Georgia. That's that's it. And I remember, it was actually like a year ago when we first started the Gym Podcast that you kind of likely mentioned to me like, oh, you should try learning to code. And then I started like self-teaching, oh taking some Udemy courses, and then here I am.
0: Here we are. You've come a long way and have a long way to go. But I think Georgia Tech is the place to be, my friend. I mean, you think about Georgia Tech, you think smart people, you know? So, so when yeah, I think of Georgia true. Tech, I think of you. I think you've been smart. So. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> um, I had a pretty eventful off-season as well. Of course, this April, got married. Very fun. Um, Bucky Badger was at the wedding, so it was college football related. Um, and yeah, just been, I don't know, just kind of living the uh, adult life, I guess, since then. <laughs> you know, I mean, Randy, you yeah. know the lifestyle. It's, uh, yeah. We're, we're old, dude. We're getting old. It's kind of sad.
1: We're getting old. I feel that. I remember getting married right when COVID started, and yeah. it was just, it was a weird transition. You kind of have to get used to it. You do, you do.
0: But uh, you know, I'm thankful college ball is right around the corner. College football makes me feel young. You know, being in
1: the crowds, <clears> it makes me you feel young. Yeah, and it's like the one sense of like normalcy through all these crazy COVID years that yeah. everything through all of our big life changes. College football is like the one thing that gives us that sense of normalcy that we love to partake in.
0: That's true. That's true. And I'm looking forward to this year too. I mean, COVID is not over, but it's kind of like no one really honestly cares. But like society is back to normal, and so you're gonna see, you're gonna see you know. Full houses. I don't expect any games to be cancelled because of COVID this year, whereas last year we still kinda had to deal with that at times, especially the bowl season. Um so this should be a normal year, like like just like a normal college football season. Um which will be pretty nice. Um what what hasn't been normal, however, has been this
1: kinda crazy off season. Whatn't you say, Randy? Oh I- this off this offseason was very normal and very just <laughs> calm and relaxed. Nothing out of the Isn't ordinary happened.
0: I mean, listen, I, I, in my mind, the the single biggest story was, of course, USC and UCLA to, to the Big Ten. Um, I feel like everyone's, like, given their takes on this. Like, people kind of already know ours. But um, I just wanted to, like, kind of open up a discussion about this, Randy, and, like, your thoughts on kind of the future of the college football landscape. I mean, do you think this is going to be something we start seeing, like, every single offseason, every summer? There's going to be some giant, you know, like, it's two years in a row now. Last year it was – Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. This year, of course, USC and UCLA. I mean, who's next? Like, what happens next, Randy? Okay,
1: here's the thing. Here's what Greg Sankey has essentially said, the SEC commissioner. He's essentially said, we don't really plan to expand further. We're going to stay at 16. Otherwise, the conference is just too big to feed all the mouths. And we also want to preserve the actual health of the sport like we don't want to just sit atop a pile at pile of ashes Hmm. that's ultimately where the sec stands i know that kevin warren the big 10 commissioner is more like he wants to expand to 20 he wants to you know single handedly kill the sport etc yeah yeah
0: evil guy yeah yeah totally
1: yeah very evil i'm just saying we're getting blamed for destroying the sport or whatever but we're actually like our commissioner has literally come out and said we're stopping here we want to preserve the health of the sport cool We'll see.
0: I mean, I, you know, to be fair, they did kind of start this. You have to admit
1: that they did kind of. We did not start. Know. Texas and Oklahoma were always leaving the Big Twelve. Think so? We were just smart and got ahead of it.
0: The irony of it is, like when when Texas and Texas and OU left the Big Twelve, the kind of like consensus was that the Big Twelve is dead and it's it's over. They're not going to survive. They're just going to collapse or become G six or something, right? But it seems like somehow, actually, throughout all of this, the Big Twelve might actually come on top and be one of the last like three remaining big conferences. You see this I, I think that's very
1: interesting. I actually see that that's probably the most likely scenario. I'm curious to see. I think the Pac-12 is going to die, yeah. But I'm curious to what to see what the ACC is going to do because I know they have like this giant media rights contract. Yeah, and 20, it sucks. And it
0: sucks. They're not getting paid money for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's a very bad contract for the teams, but it means ultimately they can't really leave easily. Hmm, that's true. Um, so I'm very curious to see what happens to them. But ultimately, I think the Big 12 is solidly the third best conference. It's nobody expected this no. time last year. And off the
0: season. thing is, they'll be able to pick off, like, remaining Pac-12 teams. Like, you got to figure, like, two, three years from now, there's a good chance that we're going to see some further realignment from the Pac-12, especially in the heavy hitters like, you know, Washington, Oregon, maybe Utah or Arizona. And I imagine the Big 12 will, will happily accept any remaining Pac-12 teams that, like, don't make the cut, be it with the Big 10
1: or the SEC. Absolutely. I I would 100% agree with that. And also, I saw the article today where Oregon is reaching out to the Big Ten and essentially saying we want to join the Big Ten. (laughs) The Big Ten is saying we want to expand to 20 teams. I think it's just a matter of time before that's announced, but it might yeah. wait until next offseason. Yeah, I'm sure. That um, I'm and- sure
0: both parties. Like in general, we're not going to see anything crazy this year, like for the rest of this year. But yeah, next summer, I think we're going to see way more.
1: Because of this. here's the other thing with the USC UCLA thing. You have to remember is that it just came out of nowhere. It, did. it was crazy. It was hidden so well, yeah. and it was it was hilarious to see like the Cal, the University of California System Board of Regents, basically <laughs> they didn't even know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see if I didn't talk to them first. Simply because they just do not understand football, because they were saying things such as like, "Well, why don't we just go join the Big Ten too?" And they didn't understand that like <laughs> the Big Ten has to actually invite them. I could just imagine them sitting around, <laughs> sitting around, and trying to explain that the football people trying to explain it to them, like, "No, you can't just like join. They don't want us." Yeah, and then being like, "What? They don't want Berkeley? Berkeley? It's Cal, dude. Aaron Rodgers went there. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> it's too good." <laughs> But yeah. And other offseason news, though, we did have a couple of uh, big stories in the offseason. I will say one of the other, probably the second biggest story, was the Brian Harrison Auburn drama, which I am oh in my love God. with. I just love to Is see my though... rival just. It's <laughs> I feel hilarious. like you're biggest
0: right. one. Give, give me a recap exactly what happened. It's been months since that.
1: Basically, went Harrison was on vacation in the Bahamas, and they tried to instill a soft coup on him, and made up like some boosters made up some fake story about him screwing his secretary, and it's like a, the secretary was like some girl in her young tw- early twenties, and it basically it seems to all be not based in reality, right. but essentially they were trying to like push this, and they wanted him gone. Auburn boosters have a similar problem that the Texas boosters have where they'd rather sit atop a pile of ashes as long as they're the ones who create the ashes, right?
0: Right.
1: right. They don't just let the football coach coach.
0: And that's surprising because, like, to me, I never really think of Auburn as this, like, big money type of school like Texas, you know? I mean, maybe you do because you hate them. But in my mind, they're like the little brother. If anything, they're probably like pretty poor and, and desolate over there compared to you they're guys. They're
1: not. No, they're not. Uh, they, they have money. They have some big mega donors. They have some money. <laughs> well, I, I think it's weird because like people just... It's. I almost feel bad for them because, let's face it, if Auburn... Let's say they weren't in the state of Alabama and you just looked at their program in a vacuum. They would be seen as one of the bigger programs. Oh, for sure. It's just... They're overshadowed. It's shattered. just they have
0: the yeah. Yeah, I mean anyone would be, frankly, um, and I mean that's part of the reason. Like, so they, they shouldn't have fired. Um, they shouldn't have fired Gus. I think that's becoming pretty clear right now, um, because I, I think at least under Gus, like they were, you know, pretty consistent and weren't a complete train wreck. Whereas, yeah, I feel like with their current administration, like I just I don't see Auburn being competent anytime soon, which is which is good news for you, of course, but. Kind of unfortunate for everyone
1: else. I will say, personally, I have them finishing last in the SEC West this year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) I just thought
1: there's too much drama and too much strife going on. For sure.
0: Um, Any other big off-season news? I mean, one thing I want to talk about. Brian Kelly.
1: People forget. Yeah. These things happened early in the off-season. I was going to talk about Brian Kelly going to LSU. That was actually a huge deal when it It happened.
0: It still is. And we just kind
1: of, like, accepted it as normal because if you remember the – the whole family a family <laughs> and i'll have like little cringy kind of weird comments that he'll make yeah. the videos <laughs> here's the thing it is very cringe let's be honest it is but literally none of this is going to matter if he wins right that's,
0: that's true that's true uh the thing is randy i i don't think he wins all that much like i think he'll be okay i think he'll be like a solid like they'll probably be ranked most of the year and like probably finish like nine and three ish. I kind of see them being a nine and three team under Kelly year in year out. But the thing is, like that's not that's not good enough for LSU. Like it's a national championship. Gonna they're
1: gonna pressure him. You yeah, know? they're gonna pressure him if he if he's only nine and three. What's gonna happen is that their boosters and their fans are basically gonna pressure him into making some. Big changes, I guess, with the roster or right. with his theme scheme style. And what's gonna happen is he's gonna make some changes. If they don't work out, he's gonna end up going like seven and five, six and six and yeah. get fired. And
0: all yeah, cause it all takes is like one season then. Like LSU, dude, I swear, like I, I get it. They've won like a national title recently and they're like a big program and like kind of a blue bud-ish. Um, but like a lot of it seems very like they're very like hit or miss. You know what I mean? Like you can't expect them to be consistent. And I, I don't get why it seems like the LSU fan base and their boosters, like they, they tend to really overreact the like the the minute a coach has one bad season. Um, which
1: you know. even say they have I wouldn't even say that. It's more along the lines of they have a ton of talent in state and they don't wanna squander it and they don't wanna keep allowing that pipeline to Alabama to remain open. So there's a lot of pressure because of saving. I, I get that. Yeah, but plus, David like, like, used to literally coach there. That's true. But,
0: like, every SEC school must be feeling the same thing with Bama, you know, and, like, all the talent. I, like, LSU is not unique in that regard, but they, but they treat themselves like they are. I, I, I don't know. It's just I get this vibe that, like, I, I just could see um, Brian Kelly being there for three or four years, just doing, like, pretty solid, like, having good results and probably finishing ranked, but that not being good enough and them just canning him after, like, one just okay season. yeah. Well,
1: Here's the thing. You don't hire Brian Kelly to go 9-3. and three. Look at what he was able to do at Notre Dame. I feel like they're going to be patient enough. They're know, going to man. give him at least three or four years. The thing is
0: he can't win in bowl games. Like He, he cannot win in uh, New York 6 that, games. Their <laughs> line of
1: reasoning is literally like, look at what he, look at the program he was able to build with all the restrictions at Notre Dame. Yeah, Imagine but, what <sighs> it's going to be able to do here with more talent and less res- academic restrictions. I, I think that's their line of reasoning. Notre and I Dame, think it yeah. makes sense. No, but.
0: Notre Dame isn't, like, they're a blue blood band Like, they're such a big name, and I, I get it Like, their talent pool isn't quite as broad as LSU's But in terms of, you know, money and just, like, public image Notre Dame's up there I, I don't know, man Like, it'd be one thing if, if Brian Kelly, like, made, a, like, a nobody program Like, a G5 program into a powerhouse Kind of like what Luke Fickle has done at Cincinnati But if he can't To be fair, no, he didn't he take
1: Cincinnati? Didn't yeah. he make have Cincinnati finish, oh, right, finish ranked dude. number three? Oh, you're right, And lose dude. Tebow?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was
1: going to say, that's what I'm saying. I can see this working out. I would not mm. be surprised if it worked out, but I would be surprised if he had a lot of success in year one. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah, he's not going to He's not gonna win the national title this year. No, I think there'll be some growing pains for sure.
1: The last uh, off-season news I can really think about is, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it now or sure. talk about it in... in- one of these future segments we're going to have—no spoilers for the episodes. Spoilers uh, was Lincoln Riley to USC.
0: Tebow. See, to me, this—I mean, this is probably the second biggest story of the year, overshadowed only by the Big Ten's uh, conference realignment. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll call him by his legal name, Lincoln Riley, otherwise known as that bozo out west, as I call him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, listen, it's it, it's comedic, isn't it? It's like you think about like his his story, how he like. Goes from coaching the Big Twelve to like finding out he's going to be the SEC, and then gets out of there because he's scared. So he goes to the Pac-12, and then now he's in the Big Ten soon. I mean, this man's been everywhere. He's been in, the in the past every major year. conference. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, listen, dude. I mean, we're, we are going to talk about this actually in a bit here when we start talking about our you know underrated, overrated teams for this season. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of a preview right now. Um, I'll sum it up as as this. I'll sum it up as this. Lincoln Riley is at USC. To go on vacation. Full stop. He's there for the beaches. He's there for the women. He's there for the, you know, celebrity lifestyle. Uh, football, it's, it's there. It's a thing. It's a thing they do on Saturdays and occasionally, you know, occasionally on, um, you know, bowl games and whatnot. But no, he's, he's going he's gonna to fail. He's going to fail at USC, and it's because of his mindset, all right? He's there for the money. He's there for the women. He's there for the fame. He's not there for
1: football. You heard it
0: here first.
1: Here's the thing. I kind of agree with you because it's such a different vibe on the West Coast with Very. football. It's almost like they – I don't want to say they completely don't care. I don't want to, like, rehash the whole West Coast doesn't care about football thing. But it's it's weird how how this all transpired. Um, nice. It's almost like USC hired – you know how USC is all about, like, their image and all this crap? Oh, yeah. It's almost like they hired him because he's young and he's attractive. It's because he's hot. It, it is. Yeah, that's it is. literally it. Like I just get that vibe from the whole situation, and it's just weird. It is, and, and it's, he's, got, he's he's trendy. They're gonna love him for a Hollywood minute. And here's the thing: if he if USC was staying in the Pac-12 for a while, mm-hmm. I think he would be fine. I yeah. think he'd work out fine. He'd be able to get some players in there, get a better offensive line and defensive line, yeah. and be able to beat up on a. Let's face it, not great conference yeah he'd
0: he beat up on you know oregon state stanford arizona state you know cal
1: He'd because up all on, you have to yeah. do listen all you have to do is if you can have one loss and win the pac-12 championship which would not be super hard given usc's resources yeah. then he's a playoff lock right
0: yeah every year pretty much he'd be in the playoff discussion they'd be a top 10 team pretty much every season but the reality is man they're going to the big 10 next year and listen I, i'm not trying to toot the big 10's horn but I, do you see any world where he goes to Columbus and, and and beats Ryan Day in Ohio State? Like, do you see a world where USC didn't travels it, to Michigan? Hold on, hold on
1: now. Didn't they, Didn't hasn't he done that with Baker
0: Mayfield? That was Baker though. That's that's Oklahoma dude. That's a different program. And here's the thing. Here's okay. The thing. okay. You know, I, I'm just saying, man. I think that this vacation mindset that Lincoln Riley has, that's going to be absorbed by the team itself. Okay, Oklahoma. It's all about football, dude. Let's face it, okay? They're football there 24-7. That's all there is. And, and the players know that. The players buy into that. You can't have that same kind of mentality, that same type of um, lifestyle, let's just say, in the city of Los Angeles. It's just not a thing. It's not possible. And, and, and listen, that Bozo out West knows this, okay? His players know this because, again, they're there for vacation too, bud.
1: I was going to say, if anything, I think USC is more than happy with just simply being relevant and being in the conversation. They're not going to, like, really care to push championships as yeah. long as they're, like, there and talked about at the end of the and season. And they're going to be. And they're going to be because of gonna is be. like,
0: countered. Like, how hard this is his dream come true, dude. USC's He's been 10. not
1: talking about them. Here's the thing. If you listen to Lincoln Riley give any interview in all of his office press conferences this offseason, it's like he's so... <laughs> relaxed he doesn't sound like a coach that's going into a high pressure job in year one yeah
0: it's the lifestyle dude he's on vacation um and listen i i i really believe like here's the thing okay i can't like personally blame him like i i get why he did it i really do believe me if i could like go move out west and get paid like three times as much as i'm getting paid now to just like kind of do nothing and like chill out the rest of my life i would do it anyone would do it dude everyone's got a price at a certain point you know what I mean? What he's doing is, is what a lot of people dream as soon as of he's doing. he's done with
1: USC, no matter how his USC tenure ends, he's gonna be set up for life. I yeah. mean, I'm sure he loves coaching to a degree, but yeah, it's a
0: stress. It's a stressful job, dude. Like it's got to be insane. Like having to travel with recruiting and just all this stuff, man. Like being a public figure. Like I totally understand why he did it, but it's still shameful. It's still, it's still. I mean, he's he's a bozo. Okay, full stop. So, yeah, I'm not high on USC.
1: Let's just say. All right. Well, I I thought we were going to be saving that for one of the later segments, but but <laughs> I guess let's let's go ahead and move on. We're going to talk briefly about week zero. Yes, um, let's go for that. I guess there's not really a whole lot of week well, zero games. Yeah, we there's got... Nebraska. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you have the four with Nebraska sure. and Northwestern because it's Big Ten.
0: Sure, and I appreciate that. There's only one P5 versus P5 game um, this year for Week Zero. And I, honestly, it's kind of generous calling this a P5 versus P5 matchup um, in name only. Frankly, we've got Northwestern versus Nebraska in like Ireland. Is that is that correct? I'm, I'm reading this correctly. Yeah, it's in Dublin. Who's okay? So time out first of all. Who's going to this game? Like, I, like, genuine question. I'm curious. Like, I know we've had a handful of football games in Ireland over the years, but I think, like, last time it was, like, Notre Dame versus Navy or something like
1: that. I, do, do, like, people from Ireland like American football? Like, I don't know how this I, happened. I will say this. So my my wife actually went, stud, did study abroad in Ireland, and she said Irish people are actually very weirdly intrigued by American culture. So they might really? actually show up for the game. It's like how Americans also, are intrigued by Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it's like, um, I will say Nebraska Nebraska fans travel very well. I could see them treating this as like a vacation plus football game type thing. Okay. And I would imagine Northwestern, they have a lot of very intelligent, well traveled alumni, right? That's true. They might have some sizable contingency in Ireland. Okay. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how big their university is, but
0: no, I, I, I'm sure I, I they're a little spread man. out. Okay, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe people are clamoring to see some. American we'll see football. how the game goes. We'll see how it goes. As far see as the, the game mode. itself goes, okay. So my 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 thoughts on this is: to me, this just seems like a classic type of game where Nebraska just like comes out and just just frankly just dominates, just destroys a really bad fraudulent team in Northwestern. Um, and ends up being very, you know, Nebraska boisterous, very confident, overconfident, really, and um, very un- un- unsufferable, to be frank, because I-, I really don't think Northwestern can beat Nebraska. Ne- Nebraska is quite talented. I know last year they-, they really did terrible, but like on paper, Nebraska should just wipe the floor, to be honest. I mean, do you, do you see any world where Northwestern keeps this close?
1: Though, from what I understand about Big Ten football, my limited understanding is that Northwestern randomly has these years Mm -hmm. where they have, like, ten wins just out of nowhere. They do. Like, I could see it. And I could see Nebraska, like, I don't know. They're sloppy. Um, they're a very sloppy team. They're sloppy. Yeah, they're sloppy. If Northwestern is ready to play, then they can beat them. I will say, if you remember Nebraska, the whole fiasco where they went, what was it? They had they went one and eight in Big Ten play, yep. But they beat one team fifty six to seven by forty nine points, and only lost their other games by one score. But, so at the despite it being one and eight, they had a zero point point differential but you know that team they beat
0: 56 to 7 northwestern i know yes I yeah
1: <laughs> so so that's oh. the thing it's like Northwestern's really bad though so
0: i don't know man like i'm certainly gonna tune into this this sounds very interesting i need college football into my system so i'll take anything at this point but yeah i i, I don't see this one being close to be honest
1: if if nebraska loses this game do you think <laughs> they tarmac scott Frost island that'd be funny he's stuck in a different country <laughs> Take his passport with him too. It could happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly though, if he if he doesn't win this game, he's probably toast. Like honestly, I I think the, the, the Scott Frost experiment has clearly failed. It's just kind of a matter of when and not if at this point in my mind.
1: I think if they have like an A eight, eight win season, that's going to buy him a little bit more time. But he's not going to have any type of leash,
0: dude. I think he's got to go at least eight and four. I think anything less than that, he's canned. To be honest. Okay. And I don't think they go eight and four. So I I think this is I think this is pretty much it for him. All right, well. Um I know there are a handful of
1: other Week Zero games you wanna talk about real quick, Randy? Uh yes, I wanted to talk about Wyoming versus Illinois. Okay. I think this is actually gonna be a very interesting game because this is actually two very proven above average coaches in it's Wyoming was coached by Craig Boll, who, if you remember, was the North Dakota State coach who won them a bunch of championships and has been coaching Wyoming for the True. past five, eight years, something like that. True. Um, on the good. other hand, Illinois oh. has one of your favorite coaches. Burt. Burt. <laughs> Brett Milama. Yep, yep. Uh, so I just think it'll be a very interesting matchup. I think Illinois went five and seven last year. Wyoming went seven and five. I mean, I'm going to watch it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for Wyoming because I hate Bert and what he did to us, but I think Illinois probably wins this one. It's I don't all know, right. Man. It's Wyoming, with all due respect. <laughs> uh,
1: that is, with all due respect, it is Wyoming. I mean, I've been surprised to see how many like kind of Mountain Westy college football fans I've met over the years, just yeah. hanging out in CFP. So lying. they're probably like the region that's the third most invested in football. Yeah. College football, football, at least.
0: Probably, yeah. Outside of, I'd say, like, the, the Midwest and South, yeah.
1: So, and I've seen pictures of Wyoming home games, and they actually, and I've seen them on TV, and they actually have fans that show up, and it's, you know, there's some buzz around the program, For sure. so.
0: For sure. Um, another game that I'm actually kind of high-key interested in is Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Now, you're the local SEC expert, Randy. How do you think this one matches up? Because in my mind, this this could actually be kind of a close game.
1: No, I, well, I, I mean, close, so. but I don't think <laughs> Vanderbilt's going to have much of a chance against Hawaii. Hawaii <laughs> actually been fairly decent. You think Hawaii's going to win? I, I'm, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the other way around. Okay, I mean, Vanderbilt is bad. How bad are really they, bad. though? Like, are they that bad? I'll put it to you this way. They had one decent player last year, and he transferred to Bama in the offseason. Fair enough. So, Fair and enough. it was an offensive lineman. And I think they actually have one other decent player on their roster. I don't remember his name, but I think he plays, like, safety or cornerback or something. Hmm. Um. Regardless, Vanderbilt is very devoid of talent. Yeah, they have a new coach. It's just a it's, recipe for disaster versus the Hawaii, Hawaii program. That's it's at Hawaii. They're gonna yeah. be jet lagged. And Hawaii has been they've been okay. They've been like a consistent seven-win team. I know yeah. when they had I believe it was wasn't it was it Norm McDonald. They had a ten-win season in there.
0: Sounds about right. They were briefly good for a while there. Yeah. Um, okay, when you put it that way, I, I could see it. I, I will say this: Vanderbilt deserves to lose with their new logo. That's another thing.
1: That yeah, their off-season. new logo. So what the heck? It, it is everything. Too. You, yeah. you know that like big tech art style that's just awful when it's yeah. like and it's like bubbly and like rounded edges and all yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And it lacks soul. It lacks it soul.
0: The, the, the old Vanderbilt logo with the star had plenty of soul. Like it wasn't a, you know, S tier logo, but it was, it was Vanderbilt's. You know, like, I don't I think yeah. we really change that. It was perfectly fine. I know.
1: It's just like a very like common, stereotypical company logo you'd see on any random yeah. corporate website. It's like
0: a pharmacy or something. I don't know. It's just, ugh. I hope they change back. But yeah, I'm not looking forward to seeing them in those ugly, ugly helmets. Um, and and I are, do want
1: to point out to yeah. people, I just want to point out to people very quickly. We haven't exactly, as you can tell, done like the super deepest dives
0: no. on these
1: teams. <laughs> I mean, it's the off season, and like, who's gonna put hours of research into Vanderbilt? With, all right, uh, I'm just Wright, being honest. And Wyoming,
0: yeah, I think I think Maladroit would probably actually be the only person on CFB to know a thing or two about Vanderbilt. But
1: <laughs> uh, one thing I do know, <laughs> well, yeah.
0: one thing I do know, is that we want to discuss our just just a quick segment here, not really quick, but we want to discuss our most overrated and underrated teams, our top three of each, um, heading into the season as a whole. Is that correct, Randy?
1: Uh, Yes, we have three teams each, and I think we will have some agreements. I don't think we're going to have any big arguments on this one, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Um, So do you want to do – I think how we're going to do it is like I'm going to state one, you're going to state one. And we're going to just kind of go down the list. But do you want to start with overrated or underrated? What do you
1: think? Let's start with overrated. I'm ready for this one. And I am very sorry. I know we actually have a fairly large Notre Dame contingency that listens to us. We really do. We do. So this is not personal, guys. i just putting that out there. Oh, no. But I'm going to put overrated as number five in the AP poll preseason is Notre Dame. And here's the thing. They lost Jack Cone, former Wisconsin Badger. Um, They lost the top receiver, Kyron Williams. They lost Brian Kelly. Their (laughs) first game of the season is at Ohio State. That is brutal. (laughs) That is
0: brutal. And they have
1: some some very losable, sneaky games. Like, they play BYU. They play Clemson. Mm -hmm. They end the season at USC. I could just see there being some issues and... I'll be curious to see how their season plays out. If they beat Ohio State, though, which yeah. I think is plausible, then, plausible. I mean, obviously, I would be wrong, but mm-hmm. I don't see that happening.
0: That's that's fair, and I, I do agree. They do have, like, a, a kind of difficult schedule. I mean, at a minimum, they play a lot of big-name teams. The question is, like, will SC actually be good? Will BYU actually be good? Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I see where you're coming from. I think just the biggest question mark regarding everything is their brand-new head coach, uh, Marcus Freeman. I think he's going to be a good coach. I mean, I've seen videos of him. It seems like he's really got the locker room under control. It seems like the players really love him. And I'm sure, like, long-term, he's probably going to be a success. But, yeah, it's it's year one, and they've got kind of a difficult schedule, especially in week zero against Ohio State. So that's fair. I think they'll be good, but I could see them being o- overrated. Um, as far as my overrated teams go, well, I, I'll save one for last, but we'll start with this. Uh, a very overrated team this year that kind of no one's talking about being overrated in my mind is NC State, all right? So so here's the thing, okay, Big Game Boomer, I'm calling him out right now, has NC State in his, like, mock playoffs, okay? He's got him like, ranked, like, top five right now, I think, in his poll. It's just ridiculous, dude. This team went 9-3 and last year and are currently ranked number 13 in the AP. And, like, 9-3 is pretty solid, but, like, it's the ACC with all due respect, Okay. Um in my mind man NC State like go to wikipedia Winz, right now and and type in NC State okay this program doesn't get much better than 9 and 3 like that's about their ceiling um, and their head coach, Dave Doran, or Doran, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, listen, man, I, I just, I don't think he's the real deal. I, I really do not believe in him. I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that can elevate them to like a 10-win season. I, I don't see them as a playoff caliber team. I don't see them as a New York 6 type kind of team. At best, I see them as like a fringe top 25 program because they just don't have a lot of talent. Um, they, they don't have a history of winning. I just don't see it right. Like, what what are people seeing at NC State that I'm not?
1: So I actually have them. I'll go ahead and get my next overrated team because my next overrated team was actually the same team no in North Carolina State. No way. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Here's the arguments that I've heard. Okay. Is that they're returning so much talent. They're going to have such a senior-laden team from all these juniors that are coming back. And mm-hmm. it's like, look, at the end of the day, it's great that they're returning all this talent, but you can't just assume that because they're returning good, not great players that they're gonna take this next step and right. all of a sudden win twelve games or something. Right. Like they just are who they are. They're they are who exactly we think they are. They've been a perpetual eight and four, nine and three team for the past decade yeah. under Dave Doran. Yeah. They're not bad. They're a decent program, but let's not just assume they're about to take this next step because they have returning talent and we know what that talent is capable of.
0: Exactly. Randy. That's really well said. It's not like <laughs>
1: these are athletic
0: freaks that like <laughs> I know.
1: No, have this like
0: raw potential or something. Like again, we know who they are. We know what they are. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's NC state. Exactly. Like I'm sorry, but it is Um my next overrated team. I guess we'll keep it within the ACC here. And I hate to say this, but it's Clemson. Okay. Now hear me out. They went 10 Ooh. and three last year. Okay. But here's the thing, man. Check the AP poll. I was shocked when I saw this. They're currently ranked number four in the nation. All right. Number four. And I, I'm sorry, man. I'm not saying Clemson's gonna be bad. I'm not saying they're they're gonna even be just okay. I think they'll be a ten win season, ten win team this year. Um, but on the whole, I I really believe that the Clemson dynasty is over. Okay, this offseason and, and other big news, um, the Clemson family kind of broke up. Vet Brent Venables, who had been the DC at Clemson for like a decade or something crazy like that, uh, he left to be the head coach at Oklahoma. And listen, man. Clemson last year was pitiful on offense, just abysmal. The one thing that kept them together, that, that, that led them to a 10-win season last year, was their defense. They had a really solid defense under Brett Venables, but he's gone. So there's a lot of question marks on defense, and we know on offense they're terrible. Listen, people give Graham Mertz a lot of crap, and I get it, but DJ Uyungaloy is is, like, legitimately the biggest quarterback bust of our entire generation. I'm serious. I cannot believe how bad this guy is, considering the weapons around him, considering the talent. It is mind-boggling how bad Clemson is at the quarterback position right now. And I just, I don't think they get done this year. I, I honestly don't think Clemson finishes ranked at the end of the season. That's how bad things are getting over there.
1: Randy. You and a up. lot of people are overreact. No, I'm not backing you up. <laughs> I'm not backing you up on this. How dare you? I, I honestly think y'all are all very much over underestimating just how bad DJU was last year. He was, what, nine touchdowns, ten interceptions. He was abysmal, awful. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Despite that, if they had simply bad quarterback play instead Mm -hmm. of god-awful quarterback play, Mm -hmm. they would be in the playoffs. I think people are overestimating just how big their downfall is. And I think if they just get a quarterback in there, if he has a bad game Mm -hmm. in the opener versus Georgia Tech – then he's going to be pulled at the half. They're going to have another quarterback go in there, and they're going to probably call some plays to throw that new quarterback a bone to work him into the game, and they're going to end up winning based on talent differential.
0: I mean, that's fair. I mean, that said, do you, do you think DJU, like,
1: is the starter at the end of the season? Do, are we just assuming he's going to be pulled and, like, Here's the thing. Else? I mean, If you remember two years ago, when he had to step in for the Notre Dame game, yeah. he actually did okay. He was, what, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and mm-hmm. in the two games that he got significant playing time, he did okay. But he lost. I don't think he's just some like, completely, yeah. That, I mean, he was a true freshman. But I'm just saying, I'm making the point that I don't think he's some... Um, damaged goods that sure. irreparable, irreparable. Like, I think he has potential. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know if it's, like, a mental thing or what's going on. He obviously has the potential sure. to work it out. But we're just going to see, I guess. I, think, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. either way if he just picks it up and makes a step forward or I, what.
0: I think I'm, I'm personally bitter because it feels like people, like, give him and Clemson the benefit of the doubt. Whereas with, like, Graham Mertz being in a very similar position, like a highly recruited quarterback who, like, ended up sucking – there is none of that. There is no, he'll get better either. There's all these circumstances and stuff. And like, I get it. Like I get it, but I don't know, man. Clemson. I think this is it. I think the dynasty is over. Sad to say.
1: But... So this is personal for USC. Anyway, it is. Uh, the next ever rated team, <laughs> next ever rated team I have that I think you should, you will agree with based okay. on uh, what okay. we discussed earlier in the episode. Oh. USC. Yeah. the number 14, <laughs> number 14 in the AP poll. Look, uh... This is their first year under a new coach, Lincoln Riley. He's inheriting an absolute mess. They went four and eight. Terrible. They're like, okay, they got a quarterback. Okay, they got Jordan Addison, the Belitkenoff winner. Okay, but they have zero line play. They have a super soft defense, and they're Mm going to have to play Utah. I don't know if they play Oregon, but they – I mean, come on.
0: No, I, I totally agree, and I guess spoilers. They're my third overrated team of this season. Um, Yeah, I I think exactly what you said, though. They inherited a mess, okay? When Lincoln Riley um, started his position at Oklahoma, I mean, he was handed the keys to a Ferrari, you know? Like, like Oklahoma was in a fantastic position um, upon the departure of Bob Stoops. I mean, they were one of the best, most solid, most consistent programs in the entire nation. And USC is is not only a mess right now, but they've been a mess pretty much since Pete Carroll left. Like, no one's been able to come in and and turn things around. And they've had some, like, decent coaches over the years, man. Lane Kiffin, you know, Coach O. If if these guys can't get it done, what makes, you know, that Bozo All-West the guy to do it? I, I, I don't see it, man. I don't see it.
1: I don't see it either. I just It's almost like people just assume that he's going to make this leap. I don't know. It's weird. Because if you remember what he inherited at Oklahoma, he was handed the keys to a Ferrari. Yes, yeah. That's
0: what I'm saying.
1: He decided to simply not crash it. And to be fair, he (laughs) didn't crash it, but he didn't exactly do great things with it either. I know,
0: especially last season. Like, really disappointing given their talent, given their schedule, you know, to lose to Oklahoma State like that. I mean, it's just – I don't know, man. I don't know. I think they'll be okay – I don't think they're going to be terrible. I'm sure they'll have a winning season. I'm sure they'll be, they'll probably finish the year ranked, but like, they'll be like eight and four. You know, I I don't see them being this playoff team that, you know, Fox Sports wants them to be so desperately. That Colby They're going to go eight and
1: four, but they're going to be talked about like they're a playoff yeah, team. Yeah, I know. Gonna they're going to go eight and four. They're going to be talked about like a playoff team going into next year right. just to probably go eight and four again. <laughs> I again.
0: know, This reminds me of um, actually Michigan when they first got Harbaugh if you want to kind of get back into that headspace of just like so much hype. And it's, it's basically going to be like Harbaugh. It's going to be like, well, when is, when is Riley taking the next step and going to the playoffs? And it's going to be endless. It's not going to end. I don't know, man. <laughs> Bozo. Yeah. But, uh, so that was kind hey. of like, you know, trash talking. I think it's time we give some praise. Wouldn't you say, Randy? Maybe some underrated teams. It is teams? time. I have
1: some, I think we, I have some underrated teams. I don't know if we're going to have any of the same ones because I, I feel like with underrated yeah. teams, yeah. But with underrated teams, I feel like there's such a larger pool of teams sure. to choose from that we're probably sure. going to have some different answers. I guess I will kick it off and I will mention Mississippi State, hey. who, if you go by where they are in the receiving votes in the AP, they are technically number 35th. And here's the thing. I understand they play in probably the toughest division in college football, but they have some actual legitimate NFL talent on defense. They have a really good offensive lineman, a really good safety, a really good kick returner who are preseason all SEC. Okay. Um, it's Leach's, Mike Leach's third year. They're going to be more comfortable with their system. True. Um, and everywhere Leach has been, it's been about the third year where a team really kind of starts getting their grip going. And if they've got a system uh, that's perfect for exploiting, not exploiting, but making up talent differential. Yeah, because I understand they don't exactly have the same dudes that like Alabama, LSU, yeah. Auburn. And that's and that's the same even thing you did at
0: Washington State was really like being able to compete with some of the heavier hitters in the Pac-12, despite you know being at Washington State and not having all these big name recruits, you know.
1: And here's the thing, at the, end of, at the end of every one of Leach's tenures at both Washington State and Texas Tech, he actually had those defenses humming and looking good. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of seeing the same thing happen with Mississippi State. Their defense is the one that's actually improving while they have a serviceable offense with the air raid because everybody thinks of Leach as like this offensive coach with this weird offensive scheme that's kind of different. Yeah. But ultimately it's been his defenses that have been his his high point for a lot of his tenures. Hmm.
0: Keep an eye on them, I guess. Um, my first—I I want to go in an order of like increasing like hotness of like hot takes, I guess. I'll start with a kind of cold take, but a take that I think needs to be said. Um, my first most underrated team this year is Oregon. All right, they—they're currently ranked number eleven, which is like that's they're getting mm. respect, right? Um, and they did go ten and four last year, so not exactly glamorous, but. In my mind, um, they might be kind of like a playoff team. Um, Looking at the Pac-12 as a whole, like the Pac-12 is collapsing, as we all know. This is kind of the last real year for the Pac-12 in its current form. And the only like real competition I see from Oregon is Utah, who should also be very good. Um, But in terms of talent, dude, in terms of the way Oregon's been recruiting lately, um, I I think they've got the raw talent in order to kind of compete with with basically anyone within their own conference. Um, And beyond that, man, I mean... I feel like we're due for Oregon to become a powerhouse again. Like, with all their money in the NIL era, given, you know, Phil Knight and Nike and their desire to spend money to win, we live in an era where money wins. Or at least it should win. Like, Uh, it's about time. It's about time
1: Oregon wins, man. Like, I... I...
0: I, here.
1: Here... Uh, You you say we're in an area where money wins, but that's – have you seen Texas? (laughs) That's Texas, dude. Have you seen Texas (laughs) A&M? Have you seen Florida, Texas A&M, Texas? Mm. Money doesn't guarantee success. I don't
0: know, man.
1: Far from it. They could just flounder for the next decade. I don't expect them to flounder, but I'm just saying they have a first-year head coach, Dan Lanning, like you mentioned. Um, I don't know. I'm just curious to see what happens. I guess I know Cristobal did leave the cutboard very full, not yeah. of that, not of that he's at Miami because he's a great recruiter. So yeah, great it recruiter. really is gonna come down to to I think how Dan Lanning is able to pull things together. I don't know if he like I don't even I have no idea what his system is gonna look like. I have no idea what type of coach That's he is. I know he law. was Georgia's DC. Yeah. So we're gonna see how he adapts to what talent he has, or if he tries to like kind of force his system into it. I've got high hopes. We'll just see. You.
0: I've got high hopes. That's all I'll say. I like their uniforms. So <laughs> Go Ducks. All right, I'm
1: gonna give my next underrated team, and I hate to say this one because Don't I'm not it. a fan of this program, <laughs> What? I'm gonna say no, I'm not gonna say Wisconsin. I'm actually gonna say Florida. Really? Okay. Florida, number thirty-eight. They have Anthony Richardson. He is very talented. He has a lot of raw talent and he's shown some great flashes, flashes of good play. Um, and Florida always does this weird thing. Whenever they have a first year head coach in the past decade, they always have like all this raw, raw enthusiasm for the coach. All the everybody's like hyped. All the players are really built, bought in for that first year. They're ready to go play. Mm -hmm. The thing is, Florida has the number seven overall talent composite. Really? They have talent. Wow. Yes, they have talent. Um, so with the first year coach and with the enthusiasm, I could see them doing something. And with Georgia, I think Georgia's going to have a somewhat of a down year based on who they lost. Sure. I could I, see I, them winning the I SEC agree. East.
0: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I think the SEC East is fairly wide open this year actually. And um you know, you you do bring up a good point with the coaches because it feels like by the end of every Florida coach's tenure, they all hate him. They just utterly hate them. The and I get it cuz there's reason to hate them. But when they start, everyone loves them. So should be interesting to see. What well, was it? Dan Mullen?
1: Yeah. Dan Mullen uh, made the SEC Championship game two years in a row. Yeah. So did McElwain.
0: <laughs> it's just ridiculous to think
1: about. Uh, yeah.
0: My next um, underrated team uh, is a team that I don't think people are talking about, but should be. And I hate to say this one as well. I hate to say this one as well. But it's Penn State. All right. Listen, they. I know they went 7 and 6 last year and are currently unranked in the AP pool. Uh, But hear me out. If you if you look back on their schedule last season, four of their losses were by four points or less. All right, remember they had that insane like like nine overtime game against Illinois where they lost. Um, But but they played teams like Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, all extremely closely. They played very competitively. Um, They're they're a very talented crew, not elite, but I mean this is this is a very solid team with a very solid coach and James Franklin. And overall, man, like I'm not saying Penn State's going to be like a legit challenger or threat to Ohio State. I'm not saying they're making the playoffs. But don't be shocked if Penn State at the end of the season is like 10-2 and and potentially like playing in the Rose Bowl or like Cotton Bowl or something. I I think this is a New York Six team through and through. And I just can't believe they're unranked. Like this is a really good team.
1: I could definitely see that because I remember one of the things we were talking about last season. we t- we brought it up a few times was, oh, yeah, James Franklin, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. He he's going to USA. He's gone, but then he got this massive extension, yeah. and the athletic department basically promised to invest a lot more heavily into their athletics, right. And exactly. so I could see them having I don't want to call it a breakout year because he's been there for so long at this yeah. point, but obviously an improvement. I could see ten and two, eleven, and one. For sure. So just my be- next underrated team. My next underrated team. Play Dami. Chip is gonna like this one. Uh, He's gonna be very happy. No uh, way. UCLA at number forty three. Wow. Number forty three. Um, they have Dorian Thompson Robinson returning. It is Chip Kelly's fifth year at UCLA, and this is about when it's time for him to turn it up. His recruiting has been fine. True. They've been, which he used to hate recruiting. Uh, they are they are at number twenty four in the overall talent composite. And last year, if you remember, they went 8-4. and four. And despite yeah. playing sloppily, they went 8-4. and four. That's true. Um, they're going to be a little bit older. They're going to have more talent. I just, I like what I see out of them. And I think they're going to be able to take advantage of Lincoln Riley <laughs> um, being in his first year and that being what it is. I think they have a lot of hype and enthusiasm around the program yeah. Do you think based like on the Big the... Ten move. I even, though, say, oh, yeah. even though the Champino hates it. Yeah, well, yeah. He pretends to hate it. <laughs> 'Cause that's the thing. I could see them beating Utah. That's the thing. The wow. real challenger is gonna be Utah. I think yeah. I think they will beat Utah. Utah is the team to beat in the Pac twelve,
0: but I think I think they're beatable. And so I think the Pac twelve is fairly open this year. It's definitely gonna be interesting to see, especially because this is, you know, sad to say, kinda the last season of the Pac twelve as we know it. So you know, enjoy Pac twelve after dark while we got it. It's kinda how
1: I'm looking at it this year. <laughs> um, I'm also kinda at Pac twelve after dark. I'm I'm just gonna well, give a little anecdote. I'm glad because let's face it, it's it was bad for the conference. The whole Pac-12 after dark thing was very bad for the conference think because so. the only people who actually watched it were like hardcore degenerate us. football fans.
0: Yeah, yeah, it
1: was fun. <laughs> it was us, but I'm saying I think when there's like a the big noon game for the Big Twelve, yeah. if there was like a big highlight or something that was replayed all day, that's true. That's true uh, through all the games, and it was easy to flip back and forth through these big games. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you Pac-12 games will get a lot more viewership if they just had at normal times instead of at 10 o'clock at night that's probably true because I mean, all the crowds all the crowds also just look dead i mean i would
0: be too like it's like, it's like, midnight like there, that, you know <laughs>
1: yeah yeah because here's the thing is like i feel like that actually legitimately contributed to like their their issues with attendance because let's face it on the west coast it's a little bit of a different vibe they don't <laughs> want to they're probably like already home already like kind of laying in bed whatever yeah. like we are yeah they don't want to like they don't want to go through all of that process all of that hassle just to go to a football game at 10 o'clock at night for them yeah i get that. um they want to do what we do which is wake up tailgate for a couple hours yeah. go to the game go home watch the rest watch of the games or do whatever you want to yeah, do yeah
0: dude i love morning games 11 o'clock games
1: are my favorite <laughs> see i hate 11 o'clock games but i understand the appeal of like those and, like the 230 games yeah. and even like the five games six is it, you games. get to go
0: home and watch football the rest of the day It's nice, but, uh, (laughs) I digress. I will, uh, I guess conclude with, with my most underrated team of this season. And, and Randy, I think, I think you're going to like this one. It's got some SEC bias going on here. Uh, Ole Miss, (laughs) Ole Miss, curly ranks. Uh... No, no, they're curly ranked. I couldn't believe it. Number 21 in the AP poll. This team went 10 and three last season, my friend with, may I add, uh, very competitive games against, um, Auburn, who kind of stinks, and a very good Baylor. They, they lost to Bama as well. I mean, these were all ranked teams at the time. And, and listen, dude, Lane Kiffin, I know he's kind of a meme. I know he gets a lot of crap because he's got a history of being a playboy and stuff. Like, I, I totally understand that. But honest to God, like, I, I believe he is one of the best coaches in the nation. Like, to me, he's top 10. What he's been able to do, like, kind of since joining FAU in 2017, he took that program from, like, nobody's to being a really solid program. And he's taken Ole Miss so far from being like bottom feeders in the SEC to kind of one of the better teams in the conference. Um, I think the sky's the limit, dude. Again, I'm not saying like playoffs right away, but I think this is a New York six team. I think this might, this might, this might actually be the second best team in the SEC this year.
1: I don't see that. You don't think so? Hey, it's your opinion, I'm going to let you have it. I don't really see it. Um, Can can I ask why? Okay. Here's the thing. Ole Miss always has the potential to be like a better SEC team. They've had some good years here yeah, and there. Yeah, the thing is, it's just they're always gonna lack talent and lack resources. They don't have the resources that LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, um, Texas A&M have. Georgia has. They just they kind of have to do more with less. And it's not that it's not even that they don't have a lot. They have resources. It's just as, like a tiny step. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. They're don't kind know. of a I, meme team. I think Lane Kiffin
0: and like the company. They want to be they,
1: the
0: underdogs.
1: If, if Lane Kiff like we also have to consider how bought into this is Lane Kiffin. Is he kind of looking mm-hmm. for another job? We haven't heard anything like that, but I think he is I don't man. know. I'm just skeptical I think he is. Call it intuition. I've just seen I've watched enough Ole Miss football throughout the years to just be skeptical mm-hmm. of this. I think Kiffin. If did, you remember also last year at some they had some very close games that they almost lost. If you remember, they had to win on true. a two point conversion attempt versus Arkansas. That's true. Which Arkansas was good, but still.
0: That's fair. I, no, I think Kiffin's heart is in the right place. And I, I honestly, like at this point, I think Kiffin is fully committed to Ole Miss. Like The only thing that's going to make him change his mind, and this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I, I could see him being a serious candidate for the Alabama job when Nick Saban retires. But that's, like, kind of about it. I think that's, like, the only job that Lane Kiffin would leave Ole Miss for. Um, so, yeah, I think he's committed. I think this team has a lot of fire. And just, dude, Lane Kiffin, he's such a cool dude. Like, he's so genuine and authentic in a way that, like, a lot of football coaches aren't. That, like, try to be cool, like 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 that Bozo out west or P.J. Fluke. I mean,
1: I could go down to this year again. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think he's very genuine. It's real. I just feel like they kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year. I think they're going to be solid. Don't get me wrong. But I would not be surprised for to, to them to be, even on paper, a better team and still go 8-4 and four and have a worse record. Wow. You'd also have to consider the fact that they play in the toughest division. I feel like if they played it like in the, the East. I don't know, in the ACC or something, oh, yeah, they yeah. would be like – people were talking about them. Are they going to make the playoffs? Yeah. But – they have to go through brick wall after brick wall this year.
0: I, to me, I looked at the schedule. Honest to God, I think the only guaranteed loss is Bama. I think they could go eleven to one. Lock me up, but I really think so. But
1: I'm not. Wait and see. Circling that game as a W. I'll even say that I am not circling that game as a W. Wow,
0: that'd be kind of funny. But I won't give my hopes up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Hopefully.
0: Anyways, uh, so that's uh, that's our most underrated, most overrated teams. Of the season. I think we've uh, got some good picks, Randy, wouldn't you say? I do. I do. I want to again
1: apologize to our Notre Dame contingency.
0: It's Listen, I, I will say, just for disclosure, I, I think Notre Dame is properly ranked at number five. I think they will be a very good team this year. But listen, debate, as long as it's healthy, it's good for us. So Good to yep. have. And, and good for um, us to be back, Randy. I gotta say, it's been
1: fun. It's show. been fun. I've, hopefully, we've been we've had a good chance to dust off the cobwebs and kind of get in the groove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the first, <laughs> first episode after a long break, it's kind of like I have to remember how to talk again, right? I know,
0: I know. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll enjoy some good, you know, football this weekend and move on to you know week one um, a bit sharper. I know next week we do want to actually unveil our personal top tens. I think that's something we're going to do the every week this season is um, in, e- in each episode drop our own top ten rankings. Um, Compare and contrast, uh, and I've I've got some spicy takes. Let's just say that I will be keeping hidden until then. But
1: stay tuned. For I more. have some spicy takes too. Especially depending on some of the results of these week zero games, Think they so? adjust my top ten.
0: Okay, okay. Man, looking forward to it. Looking forward to college football. It's back, kind of.
1: I'm I'm pumped, man. Kind of. I'm pumped. I kind of wish. I kind of. I, I I like the idea of week zero, but they really need to put some better games. in Just it's like one game, man. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, okay, it's bad, kind of. And, uh, and then week one doesn't feel as special because it's not the tree week one. True. I don't know. That's fair. I'm That's overthinking fair. it.
0: No, no, I, I know what you mean, man. But I, I will take anything at this point. So, Regardless, this has been the Jim Um Once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for coming back. Listeners, we, we love to have you. As always, Randy, thank you. Any closing thoughts?
1: Uh, roll Tide. Roll Tide.
0: <laughs> That's what I was supposed to say, dude. This Go vintage, Jackets. You're right, you're right. Go Jackets. Let's start <laughs> saying that. I'll, I'll start saying that this year. All right. This has been the Podcast. Go Jackets.
1: <laughs> On with CrossFit.